glad that many of you are still online. I've gotten texts or emails from people who are in different parts of the world that listen to the ministry of Living Word. We thank God for you. Thank God for your willingness to stay tuned. And we thank God for finding a way to serve you. Many people who are in different parts of the world. Some people are sick, can't come to church. We thank God for expanding his ministry when we weren't planning to have that done. It's funny, I remember us debating as a staff whether to do live streaming or not. And then came, (laughs) God said, I answered that for you. (laughs) Oh boy, I always say, if you pray long enough, If you ask long enough, you will find him. He will make himself clear. God is not hidden some mysterious figure. He is always speaking, always clear. Just got to keep looking. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, he says, Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. Look at verse 42. But only one thing is necessary for Mary, has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Look at John, if you could stick something in your Bible, because we're going to look at these two different passages of Scripture. John chapter 11 Find your way down to verse 32. And he sticks something in there, but don't tear up my pastor's corner. You can tear the front of the bulletin, but don't be messing with my pastor's corner. It take too much time to write that thing. Now, and this is not a way of keeping, a way of ministering to you, not just when you're here, but providing you a devotional during the week. That's what I was trying to do with that. Look at verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved, small s, in spirit, and was troubled. That word trouble, we're not going to deal with. Why would Jesus be troubled? Look at chapter 12 of John. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany and Lazarus, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. Notice she ain't arguing about nothing right now. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. That always troubles me. Verse 3. Mary then took a pound of very, very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped, he repeats it, his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are and whose we are, God. This passage of Scripture you put in place for a purpose. God, don't let it be missed. 
in this message. But Lord, we pray that when you answer that prayer, that we'll have a heart that you organize this time that many people can't come to. You organized it, and you allowed us to be here. So I pray, God, that our hearts would be receptive so this becomes a part of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Many people, many people, many people, many people, many people, many people, and many churches, and many churches have come to the point where we are in God's face a whole lot, but not at his feet. People will come to God and they're in his face about many issues. Could be financial, many issues. They could be marital, many issues. Could be wanting a husband or a wife, many issues. Could need a job. Since I'm mentioning key issues because it's important issues that many of us go to God about. And we're in his face about it. We want to see God do something about it. God do something. But we're not at his feet. What moves a person from Jesus' face to his feet? To where his feet is a place where they permanently stay, not just come every now and then. What moves that? What makes a person do that? You know, if there's anything that this war is bringing out is the heart of someone. God can let circumstances develop, but how people respond to the circumstances exposes their heart. So, the heart of a leader is exposed in the kind of bombings he would do. If the reports are correct, you bomb a theater where 300 people are died, died. They were just there. They weren't shooting from any windows. They were just there protecting their families and gone. Got a whole big nation named Russia. I mean, America could fit in it. Whole of America could fit into Russia, but still want more. It's interesting how when circumstances take place, it exposes the heart. God just, God just allowed the circumstances, like he would say, I put you in the wilderness to show your heart. In other words, if, if I took you out of Egypt and did this mighty victory and take you to the promised land and, and then put you, put, take you to the wilderness and then put you into the promised land, everybody's jumping around, praise the Lord. So everybody thinks you're a wonderful worshiper of God. But the wilderness shows why I can't get you there right now. You see... What's beautiful about it is that when people are running from the war, when people are running because of a hurricane that has just smashed so many homes, you see a response to all of it that shows the heart. When people are hurting, when people are broken, when people's homes and everything has been lost, when a tornado's come and just wiped out whole cities, when floods come, when, when, when the fires come, some people respond. Some people respond by going into those people's homes and violating them by stealing their stuff. So you have to have police officers and National Guard out there. And I never forget, in the midst of the huge flood in Houston, 
Going by this lady's home, thank God for a group of leaders. We jumped in our vans, went to this lady's home, find out about it. She called the church. We went there, and this woman, her husband, walked. He said, I can't handle this, and he left. Uh, the water was halfway in her house. He's gone. We found out about it. We went there, cleaning up her house, and just tears poured down her face. Because you can just see she can't believe that we just be there cleaning up. Nobody's asking for anything. People are going in their pockets when they start hearing more and more of her story and just giving money to her so she could make it as she takes care of an elderly person. All this other stuff, elderly parent, all the stuff. We just kept people just doing, people coming from the yard. Man, did you hear this? People took a car that was on four flats and find a way to haul it out the driveway so she could get somebody to pick it up. I mean, just left her where she had nothing to do. And out the, going out the door, you saw the opposites of hearts. She said, I really appreciate y'all coming by because I can't believe that when my house was flooded, people came in here and stole my televisions. They realized the flood never got it, and they took my big screen televisions and walked out with them. You see, on one side, heart of people doing a lot. On the other side, people took a broken moment and exploited it. You see, there's a difference when life situations come. When life situations come, it tends to expose the heart. We're either in Jesus' face, because we don't like the results, or at his feet where we live. See, that's the story here today. That determines how life makes us productive, effective, and powerful, or makes us feel defeated and that God don't care. See, Mary had a servant heart. What about this servant heart about Mary that we could learn about so we could spend more time at his feet because we complain less, we are anxious less, we are less stressed, we are less feel, feeling less complexity about the life that we face. We feel not as lost, we feel found. Not as hurt, because we feel loved. Not as <laughs> upset and frustrated like a martyr and needed a theological discussion about the resurrection. And we found a savior that wept. See, at the feet of Jesus, <laughs> We find what we're looking for spiritually and emotionally and mentally. But in his face, we find ourselves that can lead to resentment. So let's take a look at this servant heart because this servant heart is a heart that he says is the best place. The best place. Come on, Jesus. The best place? No, it's not the best place. Martha would argue with you. Judas is going to argue with you. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes are going to go against it. They're not going to like it. So Jesus Christ, how are you going to say this is the best place when you got all these other people saying it's not? And she's making herself a fool. And she's literally saying in this place, she's exposed herself to be a woman who is a woman that is a, a bad woman when she does it in this place. Society's going to say, what kind of woman is that that would do this in our culture? She just showed herself to be a really bad woman. She's got all kind of moral issues. That's what her culture would say. But you keep calling this the best place. How could it be the best place? And everybody else is saying it's the worst place. 
See, the first thing we find in Luke chapter 10 is that in Luke chapter 10, we find that in this bad place that is the best place, is that it becomes the best place when I'm willing to be taught. When I'm willing to be taught. It is the hardest place when everybody else has taught me or my emotions have thought me, my anxieties have thought me, my frustrations have thought me, but Jesus Christ ain't got a shot. I want you to see the contrast. In verse 38, he says the first thing. Now, now as they were traveling along, he entered the village. Now, 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 please understand, I mean, it seemed like nothing. He's just trying to, it's a narrative, so he has to tell you the beginning of the narrative. That's what you would say. It's the beginning of the narrative. In the beginning of the narrative, you have to set up the narrative. So he's just setting up the narrative, and he just moves on. No. Let me tell you why. This, this, why. this, this analytical mind says no. You see, think about it for a minute. Did, Jesus, did God really need Rahab? No. He technically doesn't. Why? He said, go into this land and you will take it over. I've been telling you that for 40 years. Go into the land. But God, there are giants in the land. Who cares? I'm a bigger giant. Go in the land. So why does he send them in the land with spies? To develop a strategic strategy of war. He doesn't need Rahab. But when you go into the land, how many people get saved in that land when Israel goes into the land? Z one. Who's the one? Rahab. So when you go to Joshua chapter 2, you start to realize, oh, he knew that Rahab would accept him into her life. He knew that Rahab would respond and says, I believe in your God. I've heard about the Red Sea. I've heard about coming across the Red Sea. She's been paying attention. And she's been looking at their gods and seeing their gods are no good. And she's looking at Israel's gods and saying, your God is awesome, man. I see a fire in a cloud. This is awesome. I'm on the city gates watching you guys. Powerful nation. Tell me about your God. He knew her heart. She was a prostitute, but God could fix anything. Because the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags anyway. So when he looks at Rahab, he so wins her to himself because she's already ready. The fields are what? Ripe. Samaritan woman, the fields are ripe. I can't find laborers. It's not the reaping from the field is the issue. It's finding the workers. Like finding preschool workers right now. Okay, that's not the issue. But anyway. He took this woman Rahab and made her the parent to Jesus. So understand, they were traveling along and they decided to stop in Bethany. What's in Bethany? Mary. God is traveling along throughout the universe, but He saved you because He wants you to be in His kingdom. It was a meeting. If you look at the sentence structure and you look at the uh, look at the, the way the mode of the text is, it's He purposely decided 
to go into the village so that he knew that Martha, who had an attitude of hospitality and kindness. The word welcome means she would love to welcome this teacher, this prophet, this rabbi, based on her culture. He's not a high priest. He's not a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. He is a rabbi, and he is a powerful rabbi, and he's in the line of Elijah because that's what they would say he is. So therefore, he's a healer like Elijah, powerful like Elijah. I need to invite him in because she has this heart of hospitality. The minute he comes back in John, what does she do? Hospitality, kindness, feeding, cooking. And in them days, it ain't easy. You got to kill the chicken before you cook the chicken. You, you, you just don't go out and just get it from another, some restaurant or wherever and bring it in. You got to start from scratch. And she is doing stuff from scratch. So she has a heart of kindness. She's a hospitality type person. And she loves doing it. Jesus knew he would find Martha and Mary. Because the text says he was purposeful. See, you're not alive after COVID by accident. You're not saved by accident. You haven't come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ by accident. You don't have a country where you could open up the Bible and read it any place you want, buy it any time you want, and read it by accident. You do not have a chance to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and grow spiritually by accident. You're not a living word that is committed to discipleship and reaching the community and the world by accident. He has designed everything for you to be where you are, for him to be what he needs to be in your life. It's designed. No man seeks God. It is God who is seeking man. He stops here because he wants to make a point to his disciples and to Martha, the heart of a servant. Because at the end of the day, he could even tell the disciples, abide in me and I'll abide in you. I need the same heart in you that is in Mary. Watch us carefully. The first thing you got to find is that there's a special appointment for your heart. Special appointment. And if you take that appointment lightly, he can't develop your heart, which is the best place to be. Understand this. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm always taken back watching my grandkids. It kind of brings you back to parenting. Thank God I don't have to because... By God's grace, my sons are good fathers and their wives are good mothers. They just are. They just are. They, they attend to their kids. Thank you, Jesus. I get to spoil them and send them back. Payback. Payback. Hey, Papa, could we get some sweets? Yes. Papa, could we get some ice cream? Yes. Hey, Papa, could we go to Chick-fil-A? Yes. Everything is yes. They go into the, 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 the pantry. I stand next to them. What do you want? Says, it's not here. What is it that's not here? So, okay, next time they come back, it's here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what? But watching them play the other day, I decided, yep, <laughs> I don't know. I take a break. I take a break with my grandkids when they could get a break. My wife loves it, and uh, we do, I do too. So we took a break. And I'm watching them running around in the yard, just running, running, going everywhere. So God, keep them running because I'm getting tired. Let them run. So I ain't about to stop them from running because that was the third day I had them and I was feeling it. I've learned something. The older they get, 
is the older I get. <laughs> you know, they get more energy as they get older. I get less. So they were running everywhere. And I said, God, keep them running in the name of Jesus. This is the third day and I need a resurrection. <laughs> and they running, running, running because Gigi just fed them and they ate all they wanted. They ate so much they forgot about me. I was looking, hey, where's my food? Even Gigi forgot about me. She said, oh, here, you could just have this. Oh, so I'm on rations now. And that's how this is. So, okay, it's cool. No problems. No problems. See, see if I bring home any more groceries for you. So I, I, uh, I walking around and watching them. And one of the kids fell down. Boom, fell down. And one of them turned around. God, that's her sister. And she grabbed her sister like it was her baby. And she just sat on the ground and hugged her. And just kept rocking with her. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Ty, we, I call, don't call her that. This is my name. Don't call her that. But that Ty Ty has such a loving heart that she just rocked her. And she turned around and hugged her sister like she was her mother and then took off running. I didn't have to do nothing because with all of them running, that was her heart. You see, when he entered this village, he found two hearts. But he was interested in only one. There was a heart that welcomed him. Going to feed him. Going to sit him in a place of honor. Because he's a teacher. So since he's a rabbi teacher, I know that Jesus Christ is sitting in the place of honor. And he's sitting in this place of honor... And she has got a big fuss going on. She is a hospitality person. And when she sits there, watch carefully the words in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary. She had a sister called Mary. It means you only got one sister. And the sister called Mary means we are marking this name out in the text. Why is that a big deal? What is Mary? Mary ain't no mayor of the city. She's no major songwriter, no song singer. Mary is not a person who's managing anything. Mary don't even help cook when this guy come by. Technically, when you think of what Mary does, she don't do nothing. <laughs> I mean, when you sit back and think about it, Martha got a point. This woman ain't doing nothing. I got all the work to do and she ain't doing nothing. Having seven grandkids running around the house. It's funny how the house could be so clean because my wife likes a clean, clean house. And in about 10 minutes, it's like a tornado and whew, straight to the house. So the first thing I think to do is to work alongside my wife as best as I can because I can never do it to her level and try to help. Because a tornado hit the house. It takes what? Work. Mary don't even work. Mary don't do nothing. So the text is careful to say, when a woman is out here, she's nobody of prominence, that she had this woman called Mary. That you go in scripture, she don't, she's not even at the cross. She's not putting on a palm leaf when he enters Jerusalem. But this is Mary. A no name, a nobody. Not a prophet, a preacher, a rabbi, high priest, anything. She's just Mary. See, what is he saying? 
I am not looking for the heart because you got some 50,000 degrees. I'm not looking at your heart based on the secular world's evaluation of who you are. I'm not looking at how the world decides that you're somebody of prominence and somebody that achieve a whole lot, somebody that has done a whole lot. So when you come to heaven, I go, oh, I'm so glad to have you here. No, no, I'm the guest of honor. The only guest of honor that is going to be there is me. You are blessed to be there. You are not the guest of honor. I'm the guest of honor. And it doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how bad things have been in your life. All I care about is that when I came, you invited me in. And when I, you invited me in, you were willing to be taught by me. That's all it's interested in. Because when you get to heaven, it's just Mary. There's no, well, Dr. Cannings, you have a PhD. I don't need it in heaven. Okay, Dr. Cannings, you have seven grandkids. I'm the one that gave you them. Every child is a gift from God. Hey, okay, listen, man, I, I, I am a lawyer. I, I, I help fight cases. Ain't nobody going to court up here. God, you don't understand. I'm the best administrator you can ever find. Angels manage this for me. So in heaven, all you need to do is be a Mary. I don't need your credentials. I don't need your list of resume. This is not an employment that the world is giving. I just need Mary. Don't bring a long resume to this meeting. I don't want it. Just be Mary. You know, it's the hardest thing I used to do when raising kids. You know, especially when they start playing football and people are giving them accolades. I could never forget, man, uh, I'll watch the principal. I go visit my kids at school just to get an idea of what's going on. And principal took my son's tray and says, no, 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 Paul. You, 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 we don't need you using your arms today. I'll put your tray into here and get it clean. You just eat and go on, man. You, you, we need you strong tonight. I whispered in his ear and I said, that's not real life. And I left. I, I'll never forget, he got a ticket and I went to court with him for his ticket because we were taking him to a lesson with tickets and what you need to do, teaching him to drive because we know they're going off to college and we don't want them dead so, or hurt seriously. So I, we, we were working with them. So my, so my wife says, you know you're going to court with him. I said, yes, I am. I'm going to sit in the court. And the judge got up and the judge said, hey, is that Paul Cannings? Oh, son, listen, man. If you don't get a ticket in the next three months, you don't have to pay for this ticket. Leaving the courthouse, I went, son, that's not real life. You're a star football player at Jersey Village High School. That's what that is. If you stop being a star, you're going to pay for that ticket. Okay? I'm sorry, son. Enjoy your moment, but let me keep it real. Understand, he's coming home. He's the man. No, dude. When you cross the back door, you my child. Please remember, the minute you put your foot over the threshold. You belong to us. You're going to pick up the trash. You're going to clean your room. You're going to listen to your mama. And if you go twisted, I'll still whip you. Because I ain't from America because you're 16. I'm from Guyana. We get it straight till it's straight. <laughs> so understand. Don't care. When I walk across these doors, guess what? Same thing for me. Folks, many times the world dresses up so much 
that even a church when we cross the threshold can get us to be merry. The heart of a servant. What brings out that heart? Look at it carefully. The first thing you see in here is a big word called listening. Mary listened. When you look at that Greek word, I wish, I wish they had put in that word here. Because it has the same connotation. The word means, watch this carefully, Mary is sitting, which is the place of a disciple. It's the wrong place for a woman in their culture. And guess what she's doing? Listening. What is Mary listening to do? Analyze what God is saying. That's what it means. She is taking every word apart. She is putting a microscope on everything he's saying and evaluating it against her culture, evaluating against what the rabbis were teaching, evaluating against what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were teaching, evaluating it against everything she's ever heard. So in her mind, because what he's saying is so radically different than what she's growing up with, she doesn't need to do nothing but just listen. I don't need to speak. Martha could speak. Lazarus down the road could speak. I mean, Judas down the road could speak. But I don't need to say nothing. I just need to soak it in. Because I plan to. Here's the key thing. Do it. Because I know this man walks with God. And since I know he walks with God, that's what my, my sister invited him in, I just want to know how to live. That's what it means. It means... Absolute attention, total evaluation of what's being said with a commitment to understand every word. And it also means I'm so committed to that that whatever I was taught before, I'm going to cancel. And the third thing it means is that now that I get it, I'm going to go do it because I believe you're Lord. How many times do we listen to God like that? That's the heart. See, many times we listen to God to evaluate whether or not we're going to Decide it's right or wrong. We don't listen to do. We got so many preachers, so many different kind of Bibles. <laughs> got my wife mad one day walking there. She's waiting for me to come home. She's just flipping channels, listening to preachers, and I go, not him. Uh, okay. No. Yes. And she's the whole time I'm doing this, she's looking at me. I can feel her Superman eyes like when did I ask you to take this remote and evaluate who I listen to but in my mind don't care not him him uh, no said okay that one okay that one and she realizes I'm gonna keep doing it as I flip the channels so she just says who are you talking about give me their name Thank you, baby. I'll write them down for you. Because the Bible says, with rabbis, Pharisees, Sadducees, all these people, you have to decide who you're listening to. You can't decide whether or not it's truth. You got to decide whether or not they're speaking the truth. Meaning, you would know the person speaking the truth, the Bible says, by the life that they live. If they're not living the life of what they're teaching, they're not teaching the truth. If they live something opposite to the life, it's right there in 1st, 2nd Timothy. It's not saying anything attached to me, so don't go there. Anytime a person is living a life that is opposite to what they're teaching, the Bible says they're not a true teacher. If a person fills in where God is leaving out, they're not a true teacher. 
In other words, if God is saying that Mary was at his feet and they start saying, well, Mary was at his feet and she took her shirt and she, her dress and she just sprawled it on the floor. And then what she did was at his feet, she just kept massaging his feet and she, they're adding. The Bible says the minute they start adding, run. You don't stop to listen. It's kind of like when your kids were, were running around. I never forget growing up. And, and, and my mom walking out the door said, do not listen to anybody talking to you. You just come from soccer practice, football we used to call it, all the way home. I, I, I let you go by yourself, but you must go straight and come back. That very same day, very same day, I stayed. I wanted to play some more and it started to get dark. So I'm trying to move home. I'm working, working. And this man stops me, crossing some railroad tracks in Guyana, South America. He says, son, come here. Come here, I need to talk to you. Come here. I looked at him. I took off running. Why? My mother said, don't listen. Next thing I hear, the neighbors were saying, there's a man sitting on a bike taking kids, raping them and killing them. Coming out the door, son, don't listen to nobody. That very night, very afternoon, Somebody stopped me. The next week, I hear, I could have been dead. Why? You got to decide who you will listen to. And the Bible said there's a process of evaluating them, and it's all over the Bible. So that's why Mary's not just sitting out listening to Jesus. She's saying, uh-uh, from everybody I've heard, he is the one. Where did you hear Mary listening to a rabbi at his feet? Where did you hear Mary listening to a Pharisee at his feet? Where did you hear Mary listening to anybody at their feet? No. The minute Jesus Christ walked into her house, she is at his feet. How in the world would that be? Mary has heard about this man. She has seen how he lives. She has seen his miracles. She has seen his power. That's why Martha invited her, invited him in, and Mary says, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to listen to him. Nobody else. You know, the, one of the funniest things my wife teases me about is that, and I stopped it because she teased me, is that I go to different restaurants and I got the same meal. I said, I'm a trained dog. That's what that is. She says, do you realize that when you, you switch restaurants, you go to the same menu and eat the same thing? So, you know, you're right. That's why I switched to restaurants. Keep it fresh. Don't you think you should just check out something else on the menu? I said, nah, I'm not very creative. You are. So just give it a shot. Okay, let's do something else. Didn't like it. Back to the same one next time. See, I understand, folks. God would also create an appetite when you learn to listen. Because this appetite never left Mary. If we have an appetite for gossip, Every bit of gossip. Who? Really, girl? Man, I did not know that. We're going to be in all the gossip channels. Girl, guess what's new? If we have an appetite for God's word, the Bible says when you start looking at it, you, will, you can't put it down. Somebody says, don't you think, don't you think, man, with all the studying you've done, is you don't, a person asked me that one day and I said, what my studying exposes to me is what I don't know, not what I do know. The longer I study a text is the more I realize what I don't know. That's why I keep studying. I don't realize what I do know. 
I realize what I don't. He says, listening to whose words? His words. Watch what Christ says in verse 42. Now, he, she ain't listening to nobody else because this is going to be key. Please hear that. His words. His words. So, you, when your pastor teaches, go to the Bible, open it up, ask, here's, here's a key thing. The scriptures will never make sense if you don't practice them. It doesn't. Practicing leads to understanding. Listen to me today. This is a pastor moment. Okay? Practicing leads to understanding. Just reading it leads to confusion. I'll say it again. Practicing leads to understanding. Because the Spirit of God is the truth. You're not telling the truth, talking about the truth. He is the truth. So the more I come into the Spirit is the more I come to the truth. The only way I can come more and more and more and more into the Spirit is when I practice the Word of God. That's the only time. That's why I push life application so much. Y'all are sick of it, but I'm still doing it. Why? Because the only time this Bible will come out and hit you in the face is when the Spirit of God is beginning to get stronger and stronger and stronger in your life because this entire mission of the Spirit of God is to guide you into truth. What the Word of God means in real-life situations. Once that Word of God becomes real in real-life situations, you can't put it down. That's why he says you will never thirst again. Meaning, you would never sit back going, oh, this life is driving me to a dry desert. Of emotions, a dry desert because of frustration, a dry desert because of the pain. He says, You will never be in a desert anymore because this is like a water. What does, what does David say? I meditate in his word day and night, it became like a stream of water, so I never thirst. That's why Mary is not thirsting. He said, How do you know that? I'll bring it out. Mary's not thirsting. You never see Mary going, oh God, I don't know. Give me a big explanation as to why Lazarus is dead. She just asks the question because her sister's asking the question and she goes right back to his feet. The heart of a person is demonstrated by the appetite they have for the word of God. If they can't stand here, ah, oh Lord, Romans chapter 8 says, they're hostile towards God because their mind is in the flesh. Watch this carefully. Verse 42. Please hear this word. But the only thing, one thing is necessary. Oof. One thing is, but the one thing is necessary for Mary. Did he say the word, the one thing that is important? No, he didn't. He said the one thing that was necessary. In other words, if you're going to face this life and deal with all of the different things that come from this life, all of the frustrations, all the problems, all the difficulties that come to this life, what do we have to do? Make what? Decisions. If I'm going to make decisions, guess what I need? Information. Guess what information he's saying is the information? I am the way, the truth, and the... So therefore, since I'm the life which gets you to live life productively each and every moment of the day, and you need information, guess what you're going to need to depend on? Me. So the word of God is necessary. And she's in the place where she can get the word of God, because I'm not going to be here all the time. I'm going to go die on Calvary's cross. So as a result of that, she is in the place that is necessary, because she got rabbis teaching stuff. She's got all these false teachers all over the place. So if she gets the truth, she could be able to say, that person is telling a lie. That person is not telling the truth. That person 
is telling a wrong thing. She could therefore detect what is the right thing to learn, the right thing to grow in, because she now has what is necessary. You know, when you, when you travel and you're going to get a rental car, all you need is the address. Years ago, you needed to get sit down and get the whole bunch of information. But now all you need is the address. And I like Wave. I like Wave. I'm not promoting, I don't get anything from them, but I like them because they tell me where the cops are. I don't know. That's a confession in the pulpit, but they do. If you put Wave, they say, police officers a mile away. I like this app. This is a good app. Thank you for introducing me to this, son. My oldest son know me. So he said, Dad, you need this app, not that one. I like that app. It's in my travel place on my phone. And I just press it because I have what? The address. And in that app, it would actually let you set up when you leave. So it would come up and say, time to leave. It would tell you that because the traffic on the app will recognize there's traffic. They'll recognize that there's a problem, that there's a construction along the road. It would tell you all of that. So it would even take you on different routes so that you go past the construction, go past the traffic to get where you're going. And it would tell you all of this when you're on that app. So guess what? It is necessary because I need the address. I want to experience Jesus Christ. That's my address. I want to experience all that God has for me to live by, the power of God's blessings upon my life, wisdom, and productive results in my life and my marriage and my kids and my grandkids. I want all of those things. But he's saying, don't come to my face, come to my feet, because my feet is where it's necessary. That's where you get the navigation system. That's where you learn about everything you need to know for life and godliness. That's where when you get the word of God, it will guide you into every aspect of life and you will never stumble. You will never make mistakes. You will never have any problems. Second Peter chapter 1 says, because you'll walk in the light, First John would say, as he is in the light. You don't walk in darkness, perplexity, frustration, stress. Life seems depressive. None of this. Because, why? It's necessary. When a person sees the word of God as necessary, <laughs> the Bible says they will run to it with a heart that makes a difference. When a person is going, I could miss Bible study. Oh, I could miss church. Oh, I, I get back to my devotions. The Bible says that's a Martha heart. Because that, that heart argues all the time. Jesus, if you were here, where would my brother be right now? Martha, let me give you an explanation of a resurrection, that I'm the resurrection. Jesus, look at my sister. I got stuff to do. And she's sitting there. She's sitting there. See, we could have the Martha heart of arguing, fighting, fussing about different things. Or we could have a Mary heart. Because no matter what we face in this life, we go to what's necessary. We argue less because we thirst less. And because he gives us better understanding. That's why he says, it's necessary. Oh, come on, come on. Come on. It's, it's the good part she's chosen. Go to John. We're running out of time. I don't even know why I said that because I don't even look at the time sometimes. But look at what he says here. He says, he's chosen the good part. 
and it shall not be taken from her. You got to see what he means. When Jesus Christ speak that emphatically, don't mess with him. <laughs> I always say, when Jesus Christ tell you not to do something, don't do it. When he's emphatically saying, don't do this, don't, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Sometimes he doesn't, he's not emphatic because he's driving for wisdom. But when he's emphatic, don't fight with him. He's saying in verse 32 of John chapter 11, he says this. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she ran out to meet Jesus Christ. To get a quick background here. She, she, Jesus Christ is coming. He took two, four days to make a two-day trip. Why? They believe that the spirit hovered over the body for three days. After three days, it's hopeless. So why we find Mary crying is because in Mary's mind, her, son, her brother's death creates a hopeless situation that he would ever come back. It's hopeless. He's not coming back. Okay? This is done. It's finished. She's obviously very close to her brother, and she's taking it really hard. Jesus Christ does not come in the village because he's planning to go to the tomb. So he's saying, y'all are the ones stressing. I'm not stressing because I know where I'm going. That's why I took four days because I want you to understand I am the resurrection. So I don't need, I'm not coming in there. So Mary runs out. No, don't forget now. Runs out. This is very important. He, she runs out because Jesus Christ is on his way to die. If, if you follow this passage of scripture, he ends up on a cross. Okay? So he, 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 he also has a timetable that God has put him on. So he comes, and when he's on this timetable that God has put him on, Mary runs out to him. And she repeats what Martha said. If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. But watch this carefully. Soon as she says that, is she looking for an answer? No. Look at verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came there, where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Look at the difference between this and Martha. Because Mary showed she would trust him in her pain. I'll trust you. That's what I love that song. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Whatever your will is, Lord, I'll trust you. That's what Mary is saying here. She's saying, well, watch out carefully. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, what does he respond to? Her weeping. Watch Martha. Watch Martha. Martha's different. Verse 21. <laughs> and Martha then said to him, Lord, if you have been there, my brother would not have died. So she heard her sister. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. God will give it to you. Jesus Christ is saying to her, oh, no, no, no. Your, your, your brother will rise again. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what is he responding to? You want to have a discussion, Martha. So I know you want to have a discussion because right now you're struggling between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. One believe there's a resurrection and the other believe there's no resurrection. And since you're listening to the theology of the day, you want to find out what I think. So you want to have a seminary class right now. So Martha, I'm going to give you a seminary class as to what you want. Because at least you came out to meet me and talk to me. You're very hospitable. And I love the family. And I'm come here because of Lazarus. And everybody sent me here because of Lazarus. I'm here. So Martha, I'm going to give you a discussion. Look at the difference between Martha and Mary. When it came to Mary, Mary asked the question. But where does she ask the question? At his feet. Not in his face. And when she asks the question at his feet and at his face, where does Jesus Christ go? To her feet. 
not her face. Watch this carefully. He sees the crowd weeping. Do you recognize that the only person that Jesus Christ ever wept with in the Bible is Mary? Where did he whip anybody else? He wept with Mary. Oh, please hear me. Hear me today. Hear me today. He wept with Mary. He goes to Mary's feet and he washes her feet. Why is he doing all of this stuff? Because he is moved. Mary said loud, I don't care for the answer. I'm just glad you're here. You're not hearing me. I honestly don't care for the answer, Jesus. I am just glad that you took the time to be here and I trust you. You say, oh, no, 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 no. She heard the answer that Martha gave. No, they were not in the same place. The verses will show you that they were in a different place. Because Martha either went to finish, went back to the house, and Mary came later, but Mary came later. So Mary doesn't know the discussion of Martha. You can't put that in the text. And I don't have the time to take you to see where it's a different place. There are people around Mary. There's not people around Martha. So they were in two different places. The people obviously saw the pain of Mary and went to the pain. People didn't see the pain. They saw the hurt in Martha, but she was strong in handling it. But they saw the heart in Mary. And they he said, no, there were weepers and mourners in that day. No, they do that when they're going to the grave site. He's already at the grave, in the grave, in the tomb. So that is done. Mary is grieving over her brother. She can't get over his death. It is after the burial. She can't get over the pain. And what does Jesus do? stops and he weeps with her because she did what? Trusted him. Many times we don't get God to heal our pain because we don't trust him in it. Fix me! God, why did you let this happen to me? God, don't you know what I'm going through already? We're in his face. But when I trust God, I don't need an answer. I just need to know. I'm in his presence. And when I know that I'm in his presence and I can talk to him, I can pray, I can call on him, I can weep before him. Yeah, I, I don't have to fix myself up because when weeping, they weep, they put on clothes that didn't look the best because they're going to be all messed up. I, I don't have to be all wonderful in front of him. I don't have to be strong so he knows I trust him. I could be myself. I could be in my pain. I could be in my misery. I could be in my hopelessness. And he still has patience and love and kindness for me. He's not asking me to fix myself. He's just asking me to avail myself he's not asking me to come to him and for him to say any big massive theological results God I just know that you're the answer because I've listened I understand what you said I understand everything you've been teaching I've been keeping up with your teaching so whether or not you want to teach me right now I just want to be in your presence because if I am in your presence you will eventually fix me trust and that trust let the full surrender. See, we, 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 can't come to the, we can't come to John chapter 12 because we never made it to John chapter 11. We didn't even get to Luke chapter 10 because we ain't listening. We listen to the news all day. We listen to different oh, people orate the news. We would listen, we read all kind of different books, novels, more than we read the Bible. We read emails all day. Surf the net, trying to find out what's going on on Twitter, Facebook, 
And we could stay on Facebook off and on all day. But when it comes to God, oh, this Bible is so complicated. I try to read it, but I really don't get anything in it. I, I, I really try. And the Bible is saying, yeah, there was a time when you didn't understand what your parents were saying, but you loved them and you kept trying. You, you didn't understand all the doctor was saying, but you kept listening and you're trying to do it exactly what the doctor says. But the doctor was complicated when you were in, in the room listening. You didn't always understand what your lawyer was saying when you were in trouble, but you kept listening and trying to learn. You even went behind the lawyer and started Googling stuff. Went behind your doctor, started Googling stuff. You, you, you didn't understand all your, your accountant was saying, but you start evaluating the tax laws and you figure out it was the best way to pay your taxes. You did all of that. Why? You trusted it. That's why. See, God, it's hard for me to trust. That's not true. You bought a car. You know it was a used car. You got in and drive the 70 miles an hour. Did you check the brakes first? You trusted. They said they're going to do direct deposit. You sent your bills out the night before the money hit the bank. You trusted. You say, no, 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 Pastor, you don't understand, I trust you. I trust. So you, you, you take blood pressure medicine. Did you check it out? The doctor said, take it. Oh. You trust it. You go and you read all the stuff about vitamins. This one is, this one is fish oil and that one is this. And I never forget my son playing college football. I said, stop. I said, what are you talking about, Dad? Hold up a minute. What are you doing? Oh, Dad, I got to take this supplement and that supplement because I, I get dehydrated. I said, son, hold up a minute. We're in the kitchen on the car in the, in the island. And he goes, Dad, what you talking about? I said, pick up that bottle. Read the back of it. What does it say? That's what I'm saying, Dad. That's what I'm saying, Dad. Pick up the Bible. What does this say? Oh, come on, Dad. No, don't give me the come on. You read that and believed it. You went to the back of that bottle, you read it, you believe it, and now I'm asking you to look at the Bible and you tell me you ain't got time. You read that and believed it? Don't tell me you can't trust. It's what you do. You trust. You trust the driver next to you. You trust, you trust that truck is going to stop. That's why you stop in front of it and keep talking on the phone. Knowing that there's an 18-wheeler that you cut in front of coming up on the back of you. You trust. Don't tell me you don't trust. You get on a plane, put on a black seatbelt. Like that's going to make a difference when you hit the ground at a thousand miles an hour. You trust. You never met the pilot. You don't know, have had a drink before they went into the cockpit. You trust. Stop telling me you don't trust. You trust all the time you trust. You put on a black seat belt in your car going at 70 miles an hour. Well, you notice tons of people on the highway driving crazy like me. You trust. Well, I'm a good driver. That don't mean nothing. I'm there. You go into restaurants. You don't even know what they're doing in the back. And you eat the food. And some of y'all are so sophisticated. Come, come. This isn't right. Take it back. How are you going to take the food back? You better be glad you got it right the first time. 
Even if it's not right, only one time in my life I let leaders at a retreat make me send food back. I don't send food back. I thank God, especially when I'm in a country town in Texas. When I'm in a country town in Texas or in, in, in Tennessee, I go to Tennessee and they serve me food. I look at everybody walking around and they look like, mm, God forgive me for the thought pattern, but I think it. And they give me that food, I am eating with my eyes up. Well, I ain't talking about nothing. Do you like the food? Loved it. Are you coming back? Pray about it. No, no. This may be the grace of God. Don't tell me you don't trust. I see y'all at some restaurant. Not y'all, y'all, but people. They're coming. Oh, I don't know about this. This is just not right. It's, I said medium well, and it seems to me like it's rare. Man, you know, the people go back, especially you get a, a mad black woman go back there, they say, oh, we'll make this right. <laughs> you don't know. Please don't tell me you don't trust. Mary watched the works of Jesus Christ and she trusted his love. Mary trusted his love. That's what she did. You don't keep coming to my house for no reason. You don't keep healing all these people for no reason. You don't keep managing everything you manage for no reason. I've heard about you. It's like Rahab said, man, I've seen the Red Sea open up. I've seen all this happen. I'm going to work with y'all because y'all's God is better. Here's the thing you find in chapter 12. It led to her fully surrendered. It led to her fully surrendered. Jesus, therefore, six days before the the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. When Jesus had raised from the dead, he so they made him supper there. This always gets me. Martha was serving. She ain't going to argue about Mary no more. She's giving up on Mary. She's just serving. And the word literally means she's like in a restaurant serving, wiping tables, putting tables together. I mean, she is working. But Lazarus, was the one reclining at the table. That just gets me. If I have been in a grave four days and this man came and raised me and I don't need no physical therapy, I don't need no psychiatrist, no psych, no, nothing. I'm going to be sitting next to him. I don't know why. That, every time I read that, I go, brother, you ain't got no, I don't know what's wrong with you. How could he be sitting there? I get Martha. How could he be sitting there and Mary, watch Mary, you got to understand this. Normally, all this expensive perfume is normally used because in their culture, they don't have all that stuff we pump into people's bodies to make them stay looking like they saw Jesus before they died. You know, all this stuff we say, okay? <laughs> they have such a smile on their face. They, 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 they must have seen him before they die. I don't know. You know when people, okay, this ain't got nothing to do with my sermon, but let's just pray. Do you know when people get perfect? It's on a funeral. Everybody's perfect. You ever notice that? When they're alive, girl, I can't stand that woman. At a funeral, she is such a, she has such a big heart. She, Everybody gets perfect at a funeral. It makes preaching hard when you know the truth. <laughs> anyway, that's the point. It's interesting. 
It's interesting. They take this perfume. They can't, they don't want the body to stench because it's not on the ground, under the ground. It's above the ground because the ground is too hard. So they couldn't put it under the ground. So they put it above the ground in caves and places. So to take care of the body so that it goes to a bones and then they take the bones and put it in small coffins and stick it in a hole. That's, that's how much work they do. Okay, we, I know we, it's kind of like, you ever heard this? Okay, they ain't gonna do this. So I'm not gonna do that again. The woman went to the doctor and the doctor told her, listen, if you just cook for your husband, if you were to each day make sure he gets up and, and, and has a good shower and, and make sure he's not doing anything that is exerting a lot of energy and all this other stuff, your husband would make it. He goes to the car. The husband says, well, what did the doctor say? The doctor say, you're going to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, if we... <laughs> <laughs> if we had to do all of that the person would be dead dead okay we're going to be doing all that the person's going to be dead 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 okay now understand this lady I couldn't help it I was trying to get past it but I couldn't help it <laughs> I really was working hard on that but I couldn't help it <laughs> okay if we were in that scenario, you see the heart of Mary. She, uh, she took a whole year of nard and saved it up. But, her, but her, uh, her brother was raised. But Mary was listening. You got to understand this text. You know she was listening because Christ knew she was listening. Christ said to Judas, stop lying basically. You ain't trying to save no money. You, you in my face for money. You want me to bless you in the city, bless you in the fields, bless me when you come and when you go. You are not into my me walking with me, but for nothing for blessings in the city, blessings in the field, blessings when you come and when you go. You are not here for me. You are here for yourself. And if I don't supply what you want, you're going to sell me. Because you're here for the money. You're not here for the relationship. So Jesus Christ said, she's preparing me for the burial. Oh, God. You got to hear this living word. How come none of the disciples are doing this? Okay? They should have been doing this. They were the ones in theological seminary. A day. For three days. You got to look back in chapter 11 when you get time. And you will see that when he rose Lazarus from the dead, it created a storm. Because it broke all their cultural norms. So it's a big storm. Okay? And the Pharisees said, we got to kill this guy. We got to kill this guy. So some at the tomb believed in Christ. Some went back to the Pharisees and said, y'all got to do something. This man is getting too popular. He just did the, the unthinkable. So the Pharisees said, we got to kill him. So that's why Jesus Christ is along the countryside, not in Jerusalem. Because they're trying to kill him before time. So, so, so Jesus Christ now is coming through this time. And when he's in this time, guess what's happening? Hey, this, the, the, the disciples are going to run. They're going to take off. Why? Not too long down the road, he's going to say, who's going to be on the right? Who's going to be on the left? They're thinking he's going to go into Jerusalem and take over. So they're running alongside the donkey. Right after this two-mile trip, he's in Jerusalem. Palm leaves it down. They're running alongside the donkey going, yay, we're finally going to take this thing. 
But the person who is a no-name woman named Mary, who had a servant heart, was listening. And she knew with all the ruckus that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were creating because her brother got up from the grave, she knew he was going to die. So Mary took the most expensive it was expensive because it came from, the, from the, the mountains of India and made its way to Jerusalem. It was expensive. She took it, a year's worth of saving up. And if you follow her in, from Matthew to Luke to Mark to John, she poured it over him. She didn't just do his feet. She wasn't supposed to do this. Watch this carefully. If a woman takes her head covering off, it means she wants you. She's a prostitute that wants you. That's what taking off the head covering means. Okay? Mary said, take what you want. I don't care. I so love this man that I am so surrendered to him that all that matters to me is him. You, you, you got to see this. She took her hair. I know black women. I seen my wife on a jet ski. She's driving around on a jet ski. I said, baby, that ain't no riding a jet ski. I'm going and doing all these tricks on the jet ski in the Bahamas. Come on, let me show you. She says, mm hmm I said, so I pulled the jet ski around and said, what are you doing? You're going like on a joy ride. You're just riding. It ain't going to mess up my hair. <laughs> I said, okay. Now I get it. <laughs> okay? Because she's just riding around like she's going on a jet ride to the... She's just riding and just going along. Where are the waves? I said, they're going, on. okay, I'm going to ride alongside the waves. I don't want to go against the waves. I said, what are you doing? This is fun. Not touching my hair. Mary took her hair. She could have just gotten a servant. She washed his feet with it. And she said, no, 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 no. He is my Lord. If you follow her words carefully through everything, she calls him Lord. Never Jesus, never Christ, Lord. She, he runs my life. He tells me what to do with my life. And so now that I've listened, now I've seen the resurrection and that he cares about me. So that when I'm hurting, I'm in pain, he weep with me. I don't need nobody else. I don't need no man. I don't need no husband. I don't need nobody. The person I need is right here. So I'm going to wash his feet. I'm going to pour the ointment on top of him. He's my king, my redeemer. Do you know why she's washing his feet? They had sandals, rocky roads, cuts, bruises on their feet. I am committed to you going to die. So like on a man on the road to Jericho where they pour the oil in the wound, I will help heal your feet. But I will bless you as my Savior, my Lord, my King, my Redeemer, by anointing your head with oil. She's the only person in the room who got the lesson. Because she had a heart that was a servant heart. You see, folks, God, talk, tell me what you want me to do. It's not here in talking. We don't have the heart. 
We want everything to just be. Tell me, God. Come on, hit me. I got stuff to do. Hit me. So we want to go in the shower. Hit me. Okay, God. We, we, we want to be sleeping and have this dream. Hit me. Come on, God. In the course of my life, hit me. Oh, I was walking to work and I felt something come over me. Could have been the breeze. Oh, hit me. Oh, we don't have the heart of a servant. Oh, living word, the best place to be inside of you that lets your expression of worship come outside of you is the heart of a servant. Don't come to God for what you can get from him. Come to him because you believe he cares. And he would never leave you nor forsake you. There's no way he could see you in that pain and pass Bethany. There's no way he could see you in that pain and not go to his daddy weeping for you. There's no way that he could see so much misinformation and not keep things clear for you. There's no way that he would not bless you when your heart is a servant heart. See, that's the issue today for me when we think of the times we're in. Do we come to these times, even when it comes to giving, you see? I, I struggle when people fight about giving. It's not, Mary is giving everything she has. The most expensive thing she has. Why is that not a problem? What is it I need he can't provide? What is it? Is there something I will need he can't provide? Is there something that he could not, I would have a need emotionally that he can't care for? Who could pay me for my emotional pain and healing my emotional pain? I go to a psychiatrist, pay them a hundred dollars a visit, if that's the cheapest one. Still come out with pain. I got a free doctor. Folks, you could only become fully surrendered to God but it's worship, because I love this, I'm out of time. The room was filled with her fragrance. Man, I wanted to walk with that. What would God say about worship? It was a sweet smelling aroma to me. I can't tell you that he went back to Leviticus. But for the writer, John, the person who would brace up against Jesus, the disciple Jesus loved, to say that this woman took over the meeting. Her conversation never existed. We were the ones conversating. Martha stopped questioning. We now arguing about the money. She said nothing. Because all that matters to her was not the money. Not what they're going to call her because she took her head covering off. Not being on Jesus' feet when they walk around in sand and it's muddy and nasty. And wash this nasty, muddy feet. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm fully surrendered to him because my heart belongs to him. See, folks, that's what fills the room of worship with his fragrance.
That's what he's after. Christ is not just after us coming to church. When we finish worshiping, did he enjoy being here? Did he enjoy it? I'm amazed that a woman that is basically a no-name woman becomes God's example of worship. That's why I never get why people struggle about giving. I never forget going into Dallas and just spending time with my mom. And my wife said to me, your mom is getting older. Why don't you make her your valentine? It was funny because I go to Papa Do's in Dallas and all these women are looking at me because that was about seven years ago, so maybe I looked younger. I got this old woman on Valentine's Day and I'm holding her hands because my mama loved to hold her kids' hands. She didn't care how old you were. She'll just grab her hand. So I'm holding her hands. We're laughing and talking to my mom and I. just used to crack jokes and laugh. And I sit her down like she's my wife. I mean, I pulled a chair back. I put her down. And I turned around and all these women are looking at me like, mm. I said, bump y'all right now. I ain't care what y'all think. I said, mom, don't think about my budget. Get what you want. I know what you do, mom. You're getting that thing looking for the cheapest thing. Because it's your son that took you out. Mom, what do you want to eat? Close it. What do you want to eat? She told me, I love lobster. I called the person. Give her that. She's looking at me. I know what that means. Because if I order rice, she's going to be mad that I, she broke my budget. So I ordered the most expensive thing. And we sat down. She said, why did you leave your wife on a day like this? Because, Mama, you know, man, you keep telling us you're getting ready to go home. You can't wait to go home with Jesus. And I ain't ready right now. So I just wanted to say I love you. She hugged me. And she said, I love you too, son. None of that was a problem. Why? Because I know her heart all of my life. Every moment of my life. This woman would come and stare at me at school. She grabbed me for more lessons. She'd hand me the Bible and said, let me teach you to do devotions. Every aspect of my life. I'll do anything. The issue with God and giving and serving and worshiping and learning, it's not God. It's our heart. Let us stand.